Uh, we are in the book of Ephesians and have been and will be. Uh, the book of Ephesians is written by the Apostle Paul. He writes it to the Christians at Ephesus. Ephesus was a place that was uh, just overwhelmed with pagan um, superstition, religion, uh, paganism. And a group of people came to know Christ. Paul spent a tremendous amount of time there. Uh, ends up leaving. Ultimately, Paul ends up in prison. While he's in prison, he writes back to this church, uh, basically doing two things. First of all, he spends three chapters talking about um, the, their, their understand, for them to understand what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be in Christ. And he talks about the idea that, that God loved them and God um, adopted them and chose them and, and wanted them in his family, that Jesus Christ forgave them and redeemed them and pours his blessing upon them, and the Holy Spirit seals them and, and, and brings into their lives this idea of helping them to understand the word of God. And then he gets to chapter 2, and he talks about the idea of you were saved by grace. It's through faith. It's, you, you were the enemy of God, and God brought you into his family. God put you in Christ. God made you unique in, in, in him. He gets to chapter 3, and the, the people at Ephesus were having a hard time. Why do good things happen to, to, why do bad things happen to good people? Why is it, Paul, you're trying to serve God and you're in prison? And that really rattled their faith. And Paul writes to them and goes, look, this isn't something God did to me. This is something God did for me and for you. And God can take those bad situations like that. And although you see it as a bad thing, it's really a good thing in, in, in the economy of God because the reality of it is, given Paul's personality and temperament and talent, Paul is never the kind of guy who would have taken time to write uh, to all of the churches that we have listed in the New Testament. But when he's in prison and he has, and in, in, in basically in home, homebound, and, and, and he can't go anywhere, he has plenty of time on his hands, so the one thing he can do is write. And because of his imprisonment, you and I are the benefits of all of those letters that he wrote in the New Testament. It was through that difficult time for Paul that we benefit. And that's what he talks about in chapter 3. We get to chapter 4 and he starts talking about the practical stuff. And so Paul just starts saying things like this. And we dealt with this earlier. Um, because you're a believer, um, act like it. I mean, that's how he starts out. He says, look, you've been set up this way, so act a different way than, than everybody else. And he starts talking in chapter 4, 5, and 6 about the idea of why, what it is that we are to do as a church, what it is we're to do. And he kind of ends chapter 3 with this idea of before you were Jews and Greeks and you saw each other as separate. I mean, the Jews every morning would get up and pray, God, I thank you I was not born a Gentile. Um, and, and now they're coming to church together and they're worshiping together. And Paul said, you need to understand you are now one in Christ and God has brought you together and you put your stuff aside and you focus on the fact that you have one Lord and one faith and one baptism and one hope and one God and one, one spirit. And, and he talked about that. We talked about that last week. This morning, what he's going to do is he's now going to shift. Up until now, Paul has spent a lot of time talking about the church, the group. Now he's going to talk about the individual. And you're going to see a lot from here on out talking to us personally at one-on-one. -on -one. So we're going to start that this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, here's what it says. But to each one of us. So first of all, now we have shifted. We're not talking about the church anymore. We're talking about you and I as individuals. And he says, to each one of us, grace was giving according to the measure of Christ's gift. So let's stop and try to flesh this out a little bit. If you could read this in the original Greek language, 
this is incredibly emphatic. And here's what Paul says. Here, I'm going to try to convey it in English, maybe a little better for you. Um, to each one of you, God gave two measures of grace. One would be your salvation. He talked about that in chapter 2. For by grace are you saved through faith. So the first thing to each of you, again, now he's talking to believers. So if you're a Christian this morning, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, Paul says, you need to understand this this morning. God gave you and showed you incredible grace in saving you. And that was a gift from him. That's what we're told in Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that unto yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works. You can't earn it. You can't do anything for it. It is something God has done for you. He has poured his grace upon you and allowed you to become his child. So that's the first thing. And then he goes on to say this. Grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. In other words, what he says is, God... Jesus Christ, not only did he give you grace for salvation, but he's also given you, and he's going to tell you this in the end of verse 8, he's also given you a gift. So in other words, this passage teaches, and you're going to see this in next week when we actually get into what some, some of the specific gifts are, and we're going to look at other passages with other spiritual gifts that God gives to his people. But Paul here basically lays this out and says, you need to understand this. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, God gave you and some Bible scholars say it this way, God gave you two gifts. He gave you salvation, and then he gave you another gift. He gave you something special, something unique to you. And so Paul says, this is what you need to understand. He said, the measure of Christ's gift. And then he gives this little passage. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. This is a quote from Psalm 68, verse 18. With one exception, he changes a word. Um, it, if you were to read Psalm, go back in your Bible to Psalm 68, 18. This is, it says, when he ascends on a high, he led, he led captivity captive, and he received gifts from men. When Paul quotes it here, Paul says, he gave gifts to men. So let me back it up and give you the context of this. In the Old Testament... What would happen is when you would go to battle against another nation or city or whatever else or group, what would happen is you would then, when you conquered them as king, you would take the spoils. And they would, you would receive the spoils from the people. So just as an analogy, again, don't, I don't, I'm trying to get everybody all upset, so don't, you'll get over it. Let's say Hornick attacked Mulville. Okay. <laughs> And Hornick wanted to conquer Mulville, and they conquered Mulville, okay? Then what happens is, all of the spoils of Mulville, the king of Hornick, whoever that is, would then start receiving all of the spoils from Mulville, okay? And that was common. And then what often the kings would do is they would then give some of that back to some of the people who were instrumental in the battle. We've talked this morning in, in Sunday school about David. When David slays Goliath, one of the things that David is given is the sword of Goliath. That normally would have gone to Saul. But Saul, for whatever reason, since David was the one who killed Goliath, said, I'll let you have the sword. And David gets the sword. Ultimately, David gives it back to the temple. 
And we talked about this this morning in Sunday school. The irony is the sword now becomes a stumbling block in the life of David. Um, in the story of, of the priests at Nob, Ahimelech. But anyway, here's what he says. He says, when, when Paul quotes this, here's what Paul says. When he ascends on high, he, leads the ca he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Paul said, God, Jesus Christ did it differently. When Jesus Christ is victorious at the cross, instead of everybody giving him stuff, he turns around and gives gifts to you and to me. Paul said, you need to understand that what God did is not only did he save you, but he also gave you a gift to be able to be used in a special way for him. We talked about this on Wednesday night when we were talking about um, the stones in, 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 uh, in, in the Bible times, and in, in particularly in Rome and in their building. And, it, and often when they, those stones only fit one place. It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, if you're going to build a center block wall today, all the stones are the same size. No, every stone was different, and they'd only fit in one place in the structure they were building. Um, and we were looking at the Parthenon and the idea of how that thing was so incredibly designed, and it's the idea that you could not take one stone and put it in any place else. It would not fit. And so when Paul, and we talked about this already in Ephesians, when Paul says, you guys are stones, all fit together. God has a spot, he has a place, and you're that stone in that place. And Paul says here, he leaves captive, and he gave gifts to men. In other words, he's trying to under, get these people to understand, not only did God save you and give you this incredible gift of salvation, but he also gave you a gift, a, a, a unique thing to you to be able to be used. Next week, we're going to talk about some of those things, and he, he has a big, long list, and there's about four lists in Scripture, and we're going to kind of look at them next week. And then we're going to give you some tools to be able to figure out what your gift is and how God can use you in a unique way. But this morning, I just want to lay out this idea for us to understand that God gave these gifts. Now, he goes into verse 9, and that's where we're going to end today. But I, I want to address it just because it can get confusing. Because um, it's kind of this parenthesis about what he just said. And here's what he says. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean? But they also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who, is descend, who descended is also the one who ascended far above all heavens that he might fill all things. Now that gets really complicated really fast, so let me try to boil it down for you because there's a lot of discussion about what does it mean he descended and why is Paul saying this and da-da-da-da-da. When Paul talks about this, he's, their idea is, okay, wait a minute, you know, we know Psalm 68 and that's about a king and all that. How does all that fit with Jesus? And so Paul explains it. He says, for he ascended. What does it mean but that he first descended in the lowest parts of the earth? So there's a couple of interpretations. Some people say the lower parts of the earth mean it's the earth, like where we are now. God lived in heaven. God came to the earth as a baby. So he, he who was there descended, and then at the resurrection, he ascends. Okay? That's one interpretation. Um, I think that's probably the best one. The second idea is taken is a is an is pulled out of First Peter, where there are some people that believe that when Jesus was on the cross and he was in the tomb, that in those three days he descends into Sheol or or Hades, and he sets the captives captive, and he releases everybody and takes them to heaven with him. And and so some people say that's what he's referring to. 
I studied all that out, I understand all that, I get all of that, and I'm okay with it, but I think it's a big stretch. I don't think you have to read a whole lot into this. The third idea is that he's talking about Jesus descending into the grave, the idea that he was alive and he was buried. Um, and again, consistent with what Paul teaches, that he, Jesus Christ um, died, buried, and rose again. So um, I think what the passages is simply saying is this idea, that what Paul's saying is the reason Jesus Christ could give gifts, because just like a king, a king who went and battled another nation, Psalm 68, Jesus Christ leaves heaven, Philippians chapter 2, humbles himself, becomes obedient unto death, even the death of a cross. And then he ascends, and every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it's that idea. And Paul is just saying this. Because he came here, because he did what he did, because he conquered death here, he as a king has the ability to give gifts to anyone that he chooses. So, that's these three verses. Now let's talk about what they mean to us. A couple of things, first of all. The first thing you have to understand when Paul writes to these people is Paul's writing to Christians. You have to make sure that you know that you are a Christian this morning. That you're putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. That you have received that gift of grace that he talks about in Ephesians chapter 2. That you're not trying to earn your way to heaven or work your way to heaven and you think that by coming here this morning that's like a... a, a a little token that God says, okay, good, now you're one step closer to heaven. Or because you belong to a church, or because you give, or because you do things that, that, that God just going to kind of, that's going to kind of weigh out your good and your bad. That's, that's not what Paul wants anyone to understand. Paul said, you need to understand, you are the enemy of God. But God loved you enough to go to the cross for you. And he died on the cross, and he rose again to show you that death doesn't win. And if you, as a person, as an individual, come to a point that you realize that you need a Savior, that you're a sinner and you need a Savior, and you can't save yourself, and as best as you can, you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone, then the Bible's pretty clear. At that point, you become a child of God. You become a son of the King. You have received the grace that God has offered you. That's the first gift that you've been given. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should vote. The second thing is, you need to understand this morning, if you're a Christian here this morning, God's given you a gift. God's given you a gift. You go, well, I don't know what my gift is. Well, that's what we're going to work on the next couple of weeks. Because everyone needs to know what their gift is. You need to know that when God saved you, what is it that God gave you? My wife and I have started watching a show um, called Castaway. Is anybody else watching this? Anybody else watching this in the evening? Okay. Okay, yeah, we're the only one to watch TV anymore. Um, everybody else is like, well, I'm not going to admit that I watch TV. Uh, you know, I don't have that kind of time. Um, I have a DVR, so I do. Uh, but anyway... Um, in this show, Castaway, here's what happened. They take 12 people and they put them on different islands, and the islands are very close. And it's, um, this, it's this fascinating study of how people handle that. They have, to, they, they have to, whatever they live off of, they have to find there on, on, on the island. And they've 
Each one of them has left a suitcase somewhere, so they've thrown it up. And anything they can find, they can live off of. But the, the thing is, the interesting thing about this, this show is, you know, some of those shows, they deal with all the, the foo-foo stuff, you know, and just try to make it that way. This show deals with the intellectual side of it. So there's a lot of thought. There's a lot of thought processes and stuff like this. And um, it's kind of, my wife and I are fascinated because we're like, you know, how would you do on that island? You know, and I, you know, and, and there are some people that uh, the, the fascinating thing to me about the show. And, the, and this is the thing that they're finding more and more and more is. People have realized how much they need people. And they've realized how how loneliness is a very difficult thing to deal with. And that we were designed to be with people. And, I, and what they're learning in the show, one of the things that we're learning is it's not just designed to be with people, to be with the right people. Uh, but anyway, it, one of the guys that was on this was, an, was, a, was a, I don't know, he was military, he was, he was ex-Navy SEAL guy, that kind of guy, blah, 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 and, and just real tough guy, uh, hero kind of guy, been in I don't know how many deployments and everything else. Um, and... Uh, he had a wife and a daughter, and because of his military background, he kind of pushed them aside and, and, and all that kind of thing. And one of the most unlikely guys is a guy by the name of Robbie. Okay? Now, Robbie weighs like 280, 300 pounds, okay? and you're going, Robbie, you don't have to eat for like three months, man. And you got... But, you know, Robbie's just one of these nice, nice, big round, fun guys, you know, he's kind of the guy you cheer for, it's like, man, I hope you can make it, and, and he's already made it farther than most people have, and I didn't give him two days, much less, you know, I think they're at 22 days or something like that now, but anyway, so he and Robbie were talking, and Robbie, Robbie made the comment about the fact, he said, you know, he said, you're my hero, he said, uh, really, he says, guys like you that give me the freedoms that I have, and he said, you're kind of a hero in my mind, and he said, you know, all I do is, he said, I just live in my little part of the world. And he said, you know, he said, I coach a, a, a baseball team, little kids. He said, you know, I've just got my little part of the world. He said, and you've been able to go all over the world and do so much for our country and stuff like that. You're my hero. And he, he stopped him and he said, Robbie, no. He said, he said, you're my hero. He said, it's guys like you that are the heroes. And he said, and something I want to tell you, he said, and, and, and I, when it hit me, it really, really hit me hard. He said, Robbie, there are no little places in the world when you're impacting lives. And I thought, boy, the wisdom in that statement. He said, some of those guys you coach, they don't have dads. And you're the only male role model they will ever have. He said, that is no little thing, Robbie. And I thought, there's incredible profoundness in what he said. And I think sometimes that's what happens to us, is we start to think we can't do that much. We can't be that. We, we can't have the influence of, of other people. And what I want you to understand this morning, and I'm going to try to illustrate it here at the end, but what I want you to understand this morning is God gave you a gift, and it is unique to you. He, didn't, he may have given other people that gift at different levels because it says he gave gifts according to his measure. So there's all different levels of it. But everybody has a gift somewhere. And the problem that I see, and I think that happens so many times, is we start to step back and we go, you know, well, you know, I just don't think God can use me that much. 
And I think there's all kinds of reasons that we come up with. You know, I mean, you think about it for a minute. What do you say? You ask somebody why, why they're not doing this or why they're not doing that. And, and what do they say? I don't have time. Can we be honest? That's cop out. Because you know what I've found in life? You make time for what's important. Let's be honest, and let's not say, it's not a matter of you don't have time, it's a, I'm not going to put that at the top of my priority list for my time. Just say that. Be honest with yourself about it. Because how many times do we say that? You know, I don't have time, but you know as well as I do. Somebody that you love has a medical crisis this week. I don't care what's on your calendar. You will make time. Why? Because it's important. It's not about time. We all get the same amount. We all just use it different. So let's, let's be honest with ourselves. What I see a lot in rural area is, I just can't do it as well as somebody else. It becomes a performance thing for you. Because you think, well, they have a talent or they have a gift and they can do it at that level and I just can't do that, so I'm not going to do that. Because I can't do it as well as they can. Time out. Since when did God say, use your talent or your gift or your, your ability at the level of someone else. And we, we forget this. You know, there are people who naturally come up here and do children's sermons. There are people who struggle for a month to figure out what they're going to say and are scared to death to do it. And God uses it all. And I think we've got to get past this idea of I have to do it at a certain level. So I'm going to try to illustrate this, and you're going to have to bear with me, but I, I'm hoping I can make the point as, as well as I can. This, this is a soldering iron. Okay? Most of you know I do stained glass. And this, actually I have a newer, fancier one now that has a control on it, but this is a soldering iron. And what I do is, when we're soldering glass, what we do is we put the cane lead together, and then we clean it all up, we put a little flux on it, we take the solder, and this particular iron is made, soldering iron is made just for that. It's 80 watts, and it has a, what we call a flat chisel tip, and I use the flat chisel chip so it'll get a nice, nice, really nice looking joint. That's the goal in, when you're doing stained glass. I would guess that there's probably very few of you in this room that own one of these. This is a very special tool, okay? And it's used just for that, huh? You got one? No. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got a tool I've never even used. I don't even know what it's for, so somebody's going to help me today. But anyway, so this is a, this is, this is a soldering iron, okay? And, and, and I, this was the one I've used for a long time until I got a new fancier one. Um, I put it on a rheostat so I can control the temperature if it gets a little too hot, a little too cold, okay? Um, now, this is another soldering iron that I have. This is a 30-watt soldering iron with a pencil tip. When we were doing the, the, the wiring and stuff up here, I use this one because it's 30 watts. So it doesn't get as hot as that one does. Okay? So I would use this one because if it gets too hot, you'll burn up wires. You'll burn up the electronics. So you've got to be careful with it. So, and, and the wires usually are small. This is used for like a 22, 24 gauge wire, something like that. Um, so you, you do that. So this is my 30 watt soldering iron, pencil tip soldering iron. This is a soldering gun. It's because I like guns. Um, um, no, this, um, this is uh, 150 watts, but this is a trigger deal. So as I pull, and it's got a little light on it, because I use this when I'm working on a car. 
and I want to get car wiring because that's, you know, 14, 16 gauge, 18 gauge wired. So I use this, it heats up real quick, and then, it's, then it stops. Whereas those, they stay on the whole time. They stay hot the whole time. So this lets me get a little bit more control on it. Okay, that's what this is used for. I got this at an auction in a box or something, and I don't know what it is. I've never used it. <clears throat> Here's how old it is. It's a cloth cord with no ground. Okay? I think this was used on auto, uh, on cars years ago. Gutters. Huh? Gutters. It's done on what? Gutters. Oh, gutters? Oh, awesome. Now I know what it's for. I never use it for that, but that's awesome. I think you get, because the tip screws out, so you can put different tips on them. I'm thinking, that, I'm thinking this also, in, in the old auto body cars, when they, when they were all steel, um, they used to, if they had a scratch or something, they would, they would fill them with lead. Um, and, they were, and so I'm thinking this would be perfect for that, um, too. But anyway, this is 100 watts, and again, it's constant, constant on. You say, well, why do you have it? Because... It's a tool, and I want it. Um, and it came in a box. So, you know, you go, well, what would you use it for? I, don't, I didn't even know what it was for until today. So anyway, uh, but I remembered I had it. Okay, now, here's my point. Hang with me on this for a second. If you look at all four of these, okay, they all have the same cord. They're all powered the same way. So I could plug any one of these into that outlet and it would do what it's supposed to. I'm not so sure about this one, but um, yeah, you want to hang around and have some fun after the service? Uh, no. Uh, so, but, but here's the thing. They all plug in the same way. They all get the power from the same source. But they're all designed differently for different purposes. There is something in there that only lets this go to 30 watts. There's something in there that only lets this go to 80 there's something that lets this go to 150 and this go to 100. There's something in, this is designed to always stay on. This is designed to go on and off very quickly. They're unique in their design. They're unique in their purposes. But they all accomplish the same thing. They solder. But yet, if I try to do stained glass with this, I will be there doing one joint for probably a couple of months because it will never, ever get hot enough to melt two pieces of came lead and 60-40 solder. It's not designed for that. If I use this on it, it'll melt the came lead and ruin the joint completely. If I use this, I might be able to, but it'll be frustrating as all get out because the tip is not designed to make a nice, flat, smooth joint. This, on the other hand, is designed just for that. This right here is the tool that I would use. Look, this is God's gifts. They all, God wants all of us to serve in the kingdom. They we all need to accomplish the same thing. But he's, he, he's measured it out different ways. And some of you, this is it. You have a very specific use. And you're that person who God can use to, to work on, on those delicate, slow, um, intricate kind of situations. 
You know, there are some people that need to be handled with kid gloves. And, 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 and this is the kind of person, and God has wired you in such a way that you have an empathy and you have an ability to connect that way, and you can be very, very gentle, and you can be very, very kind and compassionate and understanding and patient with people. That, that's you. This is you. God's wired you, and God has a place in his kingdom to use you very specifically. Here's me. Put me up against this. Put me up against, put me against this person in trying to help somebody who's, who needs to be kind of handled with kid gloves. It's like a bull in a china shop. Okay? God wired me in such a way that I'm kind of one of those people, because you, you know it. You, you, people will sit there and go, I can't believe you said what you said. Man alive, will anybody come back next week? I don't know. The reason you're asking the question is because you're one of these. I ain't one of those. And other people are going, yeah, go get him, Pastor. Yeah, I think you should have been tougher, you know. Yeah, good, let's go mount something. Does that make sense? And here's what happens. So somebody comes up, and they, they, they do something up here to minister to somebody. And, 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 and you're going, oh, I wish I could be that powerful. But maybe that's not what God wants for you to be able to use that day. Maybe God needs this that day. And if you're sitting back going, because I can't be like this, because I'm like this, I'm not going to go do anything, then think of what you miss. You miss an opportunity to be used in the kingdom of God. You miss an opportunity for God to say, not only did I save you, but I gave you this incredible gift to be used. I got a place for you. You fit. No, you may not be doing this, but you sure in the world need to be doing this. But if you get intimidated because of this, well, you know how much you miss out? And like I say, I've got all of these guns, but you know what? When I go to do stained glass... Baby, this is the one I want. This thing fits so well in my hand. I have soldered so many joints with this thing, I could probably do it with my eyes closed. It is comfortable. It is something that I, and I know how to use it and when to use it and what, how to get the solder to do this or that based on this. Why? Because here's what I've found. The more you use it, the more effective you get with it. Um, anybody here ever had surgery? What do they tell you? You know, we, 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 yeah, they, I mean, they get you up, get you moving. And when you go, oh, it hurts, I can't do that. Yeah, okay, well, we don't want to do it too, we don't want to do it too much that it hurts, but you know what? If we don't make it hurt a little bit, if we don't start using it, then it's going to get worse. And that's what's happening. Some of you, this is the thing I want you to understand. I want you to understand when God didn't just save you, God gave you a gift to use in his kingdom and he's got a place for you and a place for you to fit and a place for you to fit perfectly and a place for, and you go, what is that, pastor? I don't know. That's what you're going to figure out in the next couple of weeks. Not my job to figure it out. It's hard enough for me to figure it out for me. And I've learned to figure out, okay, you know, okay. So here's what I've learned. Oh, wait a minute. I get the right one. Because I tend to do this, in some situations, I need to go, let me put you in touch with this person. 
because they're far more effective than I ever could be. That's the whole idea of grief share. I've never lost somebody super, super. I mean, I've lost somebody super, super close to me, but I'm, I'm, I've never lost somebody that's, how, how do I want to say it, that, 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 that's a loved one in, in, in that sense. Um, that was a super huge, big part of my life, like a spouse. But we have people in here who are, who have. They're far more effective than I will ever be. It's going to sound crazy. I've never gone through a divorce. But we have people in this church who have and who have come out of it successfully. And they are far more effective to be able to pinpoint those issues and know when to push and when to back off. To know when to apply a little heat to get you back in line to go, hey, this is a bad decision versus when to say, okay, this will be okay. Need to cool down a little bit here. They're far more effective than I'll ever be. We have people in here who have figured out money management far better than I ever could. And they can come alongside of you and go, okay, you got some money issues? Okay, let's start working on some, some principles. And let's get this thing solid. We're in it together. That's the unity of the church. But individually, we all have special niches that we fit in. And the goal of God's kingdom is for each one of us to figure out what our niche is, what gift God has given us, and then a way that I can use that gift. For what? For me? No, to further the kingdom of God. To honor God in the way that he's given me that gift. And you go, Pastor, you know, I know, but you know, I mean, I'm, you know, I don't get all this Christian stuff, and I, you know, I mean, I, you know, it's all confusing to me, and I don't, you know, I can't get the Bible thing figured out, and I can't do it. You know what? I really don't care what these look like as much as the fact that they're willing to be used when I need them. At this one point, um, these tips eventually burn out if you use them a lot. And I've had to replace this tip on this. I had to go get another tip because it starts to get all, all messed up and stuff like that. This ain't the prettiest. Right? You should see my new one. Okay? My new one is awesome. It's got a little dial on it. It's got a little light to let me know when it's hot. It, has, it, it warms up and cools down really quick. I mean, it is really cool. It, 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 I mean, it was a lot more expensive. This is 20 bucks. You know, that one was 65, you know. But I'm all about, ask my wife, I'm all about, you have to have the right tool for the job. That, that's in the Bible, by the way. <laughs> yeah, boy, I'm in trouble now, aren't I? Especially considering I bought a new tool this week. But anyway, um, it was actually a used tool, but, you know, I had to have an engine hoist. Um, anyway, I just, I had to. Anyway, so, um, you go, couldn't you have borrowed one of those? Probably, but it's not like owning it yourself. Uh, anyway, I, I don't know how I got off the net. Anyway, here's the idea, okay? Look, let God use you. Don't let Satan win by getting you sidetracked thinking that, you're not good enough, or God can't use you, or God hasn't. No, no. When God saved you, Paul makes it very clear to these people. When God saved you, 
Not only did he give you a gift in giving you the grace to be saved, but he gave you a gift to be able to be, find a place in his kingdom to be used. And I want to challenge you in the course of the next, be willing to be you. Allow God to use you. And here's what you will find. You will find that there is an incredible joy in knowing that God used you to impact or help or in some cases change a life. And when you walk into the building, you, look, one of the keys that I learned in ministry a long time ago, I walk into the building to try to be a blessing to the people who are here. And you know what? I walk away saying, God, I don't know why you use me. There's a lot of people who could do a whole lot more effectively. I don't understand what you're doing or why you're doing it, but just thanks for using me. And um, as, I, as the board and I pray, keep me out of the way. Don't let me mess it up. Use me, just don't let me mess it up, Lord. And so far, what I've found is um, God has a way of even taking the stuff that I mess up and making it right. And he'll do the same thing for you. But you've got to be willing to be used. You've got to be willing to figure out what your gift is and where God has you and how you can plug into it. That's my encouragement to you. Get over this comparing yourself to somebody else. That's not what it's about. It's about when I stand before God, I want to be able to say, Lord, thank you for saving me. And I hope to the best of my ability, Lord, I took the gift that you gave me or gifts in some cases. And I used it for you and not for me. That's all I want to say. And the ultimate thing to hear from my Lord and Savior would be, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful. You've been faithful. So I end this morning with this. I end with the idea that as we head out into this week, we're reminded of two gifts God has given us, our salvation, and the ability to serve God in a unique way, measured out by him. It's our responsibility to seek that way. That God wants to use us as we serve him by serving those around us. Let's pray. Lord.